Hey everybody, welcome to the Indel Show. Andrew here. Uh, I am so excited. We have a great show for us today. We have Matt Boga. He's a pastor in Stockton, California, and we're gonna be talking about marriage, uh, the importance of marriage, what it is, the union of it, and you know when you marry a non-believer, when you date a non-believer. We're gonna get into some pretty, pretty uh, deep stuff, but very important topic. But first, before we dive into that. I am very excited to tell you about something that is happening at Indoubt. This is an incredible opportunity. Recently, we've had a passionate supporter of ours bless Indoubt with a match pledge for $5,000. Okay, this is aimed at encouraging others like yourself to get involved and support the mission of Indoubt. So if you are looking for a great way, a great way to invest uh, in young people and stretch your donation dollar, now's the time because every dollar you give another dollar is matched up to $5,000. So if you give $10, it becomes 20. If you give $20, it becomes 40, so on and so forth. And so at Indoubt, our mission, our vision is to help young adults just cement their worldview in the Bible and gain the tools to navigate these uh, difficult issues, even the one we're talking about today with life, faith, marriage, all different topics. And so if you share a passion for young people and their walk with God, uh, we invite you to join us in this journey. Your donations of whatever amount help fuel this ministry here at Indoubt. And so doubling your impact today uh, will be such a blessing. So visit indoubt.ca and go to the donate page. And uh, we really, really appreciate your support. Enjoy today's show. God bless. Hey everybody, welcome to the Indoubt Show. Andrew here. Listen, we got a fantastic show today. Something we're talking about, it's actually quite mind-blowing uh, what we're going to be bringing up today. Whoa, someone's mind just blew. I hope it is not Christopher. Christopher, how are you? I'm good. My your, mind is your intact. Your mind is intact. Hallelujah. Christopher, my favorite Chris. I call him my favorite Chris. And I know I say that and he gets a little worried for my other Chris friends. Yeah. But if my other Chris friends are watching, honestly, he's significantly better than you. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's I mean. I feel really bad for them. I feel bad for some of them too. Chris I Tomlin. Mean, if Chris if Tomlin, you're if you're watching, there. oh man, how great is our Chris? Uh, my Chris, our Chris here. Better. Anyways, um, my favorite Chris, you're doing well though. Family's yeah, good. good. Yeah. Life's good. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about something fun today. We're talking about marriage, which I'm excited about. Um, we have a guest in third chair, and I'm very excited about this. Uh, so when you hear this music, it's Ginny of the Land. You know him, you love him, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the man with about two to three hundred voices. We have Marcus Miller in the house. Marcus, how are you? I am doing well. Awesome, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I just love Excellent. having you around, man. It's so great to this be here. This is awesome. Like that beautiful stash. This. I'm glad you're not in that room, right too. You're like right here so I could just look at stash. My, my, my eyes are up here, Andrew. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm just so distracted. I just can't meet your eye line. Um, it's okay. It's okay. And we're talking about marriage today, mm -hmm. and uh, your Excellent. wife specifically loves, like, she's asking you to keep that. Yeah, yeah she she likes it. Not, yeah, yeah it's not like a, in a weird way, but she <laughs> likes it. Yeah, it would be weird if, like, you guys both named it and, you know, it's like kind of awkward. Yeah, that, no, then, that's what it gets then, weird. I, then it would be gone. It would be gone. The day <laughs> she's named, <laughs> she, it's gone. That's <laughs> so funny. Anyways, we have a great episode we want to dive in. Before we jump into it, though, um, we're talking about marriage. And I know I said you have a man of two, 300 voices, but tell us a little bit about marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. 
I, I assume that was what you were waiting for. No, not at all, actually. But I'm just, oh, ki- I'm just okay. kidding. No, that was exactly what it was. <laughs> I knew you would be able to pull it off. Um, before we dive into the episode, uh, we have Matt Boga on a conversation in Stockton, California. And uh, but I want to let you know about Endowed Insiders. Again, we have a monthly partnership where you can join the movement, help us be salt and light. We get to do it together collectively um, as, a, as a community. And so you can give any kind of financial gift monthly, uh, $5, 10 20 30 uh, if you heard the cold start, we talked about a specific pledge that we're doing right now. A generous donor uh, pledged $5,000, and he's going to match whatever you give. So if you already are an endowed insider, that doesn't work for you. But if you want to join today, your first pledge would be matched and would be doubled, uh, which is pretty fantastic. So we encourage you to do that. We want to do this together, spread truth and bring life and hope with a biblical perspective uh, to young people in today's culture. And so we really appreciate your support. We are um, dependent on people uh, who are watching to support the movement and, and support this ministry. So we really appreciate you uh, joining. You get 20% off the store, which is pretty great. You get, this is a new hoodie. In the back, it says, uh, uh, has a passage from John. And you can see that sign, new merch, endout.ca. That's where you go, right under Chris's table there. Um, uh, not under the table, yeah, but... don't go under my table. No, don't <laughs> go under the... Okay, blur, just blur. <laughs> Comes back, it's all blurred. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can go to the store. You get 20% off when you're an Indout Insider. You get some exclusive content that Marcus and I are going to start to brainstorm, some fun resources for you, bloopers, behind the scenes, all that kind of fun stuff. And so we want to also give back uh, when you join us. But uh, that's it. I think we should dive into the episode. Uh, we have Matt Boga joining us in California. So let's jump to the interview. We're going to talk about marriage, talk about you know marrying an unbeliever, dating an unbeliever, some pretty heavy stuff, but we're going to have a biblical perspective of it, and I think it's going to prove to be very helpful. So let's dive into the episode. Let's dive into the interview. No, wait. Cut to the interview. <laughs> okay. First try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have Matt Boga all the way from Reality Stockton. Uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm grateful that you are uh, joining us today uh, from the home office. Home office slash nursery. Slash nursery. Okay, so we want to know about your family. So tell us a little bit about um, your church, maybe how long you've been there, your role, family life, just to get our listeners and our viewers uh, familiar with you. Yeah, sure. Um we are a church, our, our church name is Reality Church of Stockton, uh, located in Stockton, California. I don't know how familiar everybody is with California geography, but we're about 40 minutes south of Sacramento okay. and maybe about an hour and a half east of San Francisco. Okay. Um, so we're kind of like right in the northern part, but middle of the Central Valley of California. Um, We've been uh, today, actually, the day that we're recording this uh, is our 16th birthday as a church. Amazing. And so 16 years today. Um, and we're part of a, a larger kind of, we call ourselves a family, but a network of churches called Reality, a uh, family of churches up and down, mostly up and down the West Coast. But um, there are churches in London, Boston, Honolulu as well. So fairly far reaching, but mostly coastlands uh, here in California. Wow. Um, and I'm married, been happily married to my wife for 11 years. Um, and we've got three kids. I'm sitting in the home office slash nursery because we ran out of space with the third one. Um, and we've got two boys and a, and a baby girl right now. Amazing, so, man. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the associate pastor at, at my church. And so my roles kind of vary from like small group life, some pulpit supply, 
um, Sunday school classes uh, and everything in, in between liturgy, Sunday liturgy development, things of that nature. So, um, but there's, it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, my background isn't in ministry, it's in the field of health. And so coming from that to this uh, was definitely a change of direction that I had planned, but um, it's just been a, a whole lot of joy um, creating gray hair quickly, but uh, a lot of joy along the way. That's ministry life, bro. I lost all my hair. I used to do ministry <laughs> ministry life. So at least yeah, gray still, is better it's than still losing. there, but it's just graying. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's amazing. And so um, yeah, I got to ask you because we have two kids and we have a third kid on the way. What was the transition yes. like from two to three? Oh, uh, you want the honest answer? I, I only <laughs> want the honest um, answer. Okay, here oh, we go. Uh, the transition was the most difficult of the. Oh, of really? All. Like, you know, yeah, for us, not that's not the, the case for everybody. But, yeah. you know, we've identified a few factors. The, the first one is just like, you've never been a parent before and you bring home a new baby. How do we keep this kid alive kind of thing? Um, the second one is just like, all right, we did this before. We'll just do it again. And then you can play still man-to-man -man, uh, defense. But then the third one, like, I don't know how far apart your kids are spaced, but like ours are about two and a half years each. And so uh, they're, they were, when we brought our baby girl home, like they were just at the age where they could do some things for themselves, but not really uh, unsupervised. And obviously the infant needs like all the attention, um, can't do anything for herself. Um, and so like, it just created kind of chaos and our older two are boys. And so they're just loud and uh, chaotic, lovingly so, but, um, and so it, it was the hardest transition, but um, man, like the joy of all three of them watching them interact together, mm -hmm. uh, just like parenting in general, it, it, the sweet moments far outweigh the challenging yeah. ones. Um, but I'll just be honest with you, it's the hardest transition for sure. Wow. Um, but it, it, maybe it won't be for you. Maybe everything just be the easiest, easiest go. Yeah, I know. I know. Every Obviously, every family's different. But the first thing I thought of, like you said, it's like, okay, we have like two right now. So it's like man to man, like, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, we need like, we need yeah, another yeah. parent. We need someone else to like join the party. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, exactly. what, what's going to happen? Yeah. But uh, no, we're, we are very excited. We had um, a couple who were on the show last season and they have six boys. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh you know, I'm just like, that is wild. But uh, it's interesting because when people have kids, um, as the kids get older, no one's ever said, oh, man, I wish we had one less. They always say, I wish we had more because right. kids are just such a gift. So it's like, yes, yes it's chaotic and it's yes. hard and there's so many challenges, but like you said, the blessings just far outweigh. And a lot of Christians, like when I was having our first, when we were having our first kid, man, like everyone, mm. even at church, were like, oh man, your life's over. You know, like forget it. You can't go out. You can't do this. You can't sleep, whatever. It's just negative, yeah. negative, negative, negative. And it gave me like, right. like low-key anxiety. And, um, yeah. you know, kid comes and it's like, whoa, no one talked about the blessings and the gift and the joy mm. and like learning yeah. and seeing the father's right. heart in a new way. Like, the, the, like you said, the blessings yeah. far outweigh the chaos and, uh, I'm pumped totally. for you guys. So that's awesome. And I'm, I'm prepared for well, the it's chaos. Why, it's like, um, yeah, good, good. Cause you're going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's, I, I described to folks that like, you know, um, and it, we'll, we'll get to this in a bit, but like, God has chosen to hide his covenant love in the institution of marriage. But like they're like, I think it was J.I. Packer said that like, there's 
the the unique way that a Christian relates to God is as father, um, like the most fundamental, unique way. And so there's something in parenting that like, you know, I love my wife. Um, I try with Christ helping me to love her as he loves the church, but she is able to do things on her own. I can, you know, go do something else and she'll just be fine and I'll come back home and we'll be able to, you know, spend time together. My children though, like there is a full amount of like, I have to literally give up all of my wants and desires mm -hmm. and dreams and hopes to see them flourish if I'm going to do this right. Um, but the, the, the other side of that, like it can sound like a, you know, like maybe the way some of your friends put it of like, oh man, your life's over. It can sound like a big drag. But like what you find is that like, no, there's so, so much joy in doing that when you see your children like flourishing and you're investing in them and like just spending time with them. Like I, I was talking to my buddy the other day, like I'm just like so substantially more weepy since we've had kids. But like the tears are like not often like really sad weepy, but just like overjoyed. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're sad, but like just overjoyed at, at just like looking at my kids, imagining who they're going to be. Um and, and I think all of that is a product of like just the fact that like now you legit like have to lay everything down yeah. um, in order to do this well. And it's hard. It's hard. But it's, but it's just so, so much joy. So much joy. Yeah, they, they coexist. The, the heart, the, how hard it is and how much joy it is. My wife and I went to a wedding recently and we saw yeah. like the, you know, you know, the girl walking down the aisle with her dad and all these. And I'm like, I'm bawling literally the moment the wedding starts. Yeah. I'm like, like you said, weepy. It's just like. My whole life has changed. It's crazy. Yeah. But for the yeah. better. Yeah. Of course. That's amazing. Okay. So, okay. We talk about kids. We talk about marriage. I want to go kind of all the way back to dating. You, you had an article on Gospel Coalition and um, I read it and I was very blessed by it. And we can uh, let you know uh, where the resources are for that. But, um, you know, many young adults today are wrestling with the question of, you know, dating or marrying a non-Christian. I hear this often. We're a young adults ministry, yeah. and uh, I used to do a lot of church ministry for years, and, and I know you've heard that a lot too in your role as a mm -hmm. pastor. Can you elaborate on why the Bible advises against marrying a non-Christian, maybe even give some of the scriptures of where it says, you know, the unevenly yoked, and why this advice is relevant for young people today? Yeah. Yeah, no, and it is, you're right, it's a, it's a pervasive topic, especially when you're ministering to, to young folks, um, because there's like some, you know, internal desires that people have. Um, and so it's, it's relevant. It's not something that needs to be just kind of wiped away. Um, but what I think is really interesting is that the, the way in which I approached the article uh, was, was really from the, the question of answering exactly what you just said, like the why. Because I think we all have like a gut instinct, especially as, you know, at least within the household of faith, within Christianity, we go like, okay, yeah, I know I'm supposed to marry a Christian. Um, and I think we all kind of get that. We're told that growing up. Um, uh, and, we, and we even like the secular world around us would, would actually say that that's a good thing for a marriage. Like you could Google it and like one of the top, uh, your search bar will just be filled with responses of saying like things that, hey, if you want to have a healthy and flourishing marriage, you need to align on some things. One of them is religion. The other one's parenting tactics. Another one I saw was um, uh, boundaries with in-laws, things like that. Like there are a handful of things that like even the secular world is going to say, like, if you want your marriage to go well, you need to align on these things. Um, but we're, we're not the secular world. Um, 
there's some common graces and wisdom out there, but there's, there are reasons in the Bible, as you alluded to, like there are biblical reasons that God gives for why Christians, not just it's wise, but ought, there's an oughtness to it, mm. like ought to marry other Christians. Um, and to simplify it, like the undergirding reason is God's glory. That is like every every other thing is going to come off of that, or or you, if you want to vision it as an umbrella, it's going to be under it. But it's it's God's glory, not only in our lives individually, but in the lives of our marriage and the families that we're creating, um, because that is that's our chief purpose. That's that's what we were designed for, is is to glorify God. And so, if that's our purpose, then every decision that we make is it needs to stem directly from that. And so what I, what I tried to do in the article was kind of just like trace the biblical theme um, through the scriptures to show that like, you know, it's not just like a, a proof text here or there, um, but like this is actually a pattern mm-hmm. set in the design of marriage. And so I think that's another like kind of foundational thing. So God's glory being the umbrella, but then uh, our, our personal worship, Paul says that like our, our lives are to be living sacrifices of worship to God. And so our personal worship, but also... Um, honoring just the design as creatures. Like we were, we're creatures created in the image of God, but we're, we're created with a design and a purpose with constraints for flourishing in the same way that like a fish is going to flourish when it's in the constraints of the water. It's not going to flourish when it's in on the constraints of the land. And so we want to find those appropriate ways in which we were designed in order to flourish. And, but like some of the, some of the ways in which it kind of follows through scriptures, like, um, you know, if you take it all the way back to the beginning of Jesus, um, often when he's asked about particularly divorce in the Gospels, he says, well, you know, let's think back. And so, like, that's what we should do, too. Like, let's think back. Oh, let's look at the beginning. And we've got one man, one woman brought together in the covenant of marriage uh, designed by God. And they become one flesh. Uh, there's a oneness. There's a unity that's special to that relationship. Then as you move forward, like, tracing the theme of worship in the design, like God, as he pulls his people out of Egypt, sends them into the promised land. He says like, hey, don't marry foreign nations around you. Don't intermarry. You get that in Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 7, reinstituted in Nehemiah 10. Um, and the purpose, again, is to not detract them from the worship of the one true God. Um, then you get further into the new covenant, um, and, and you have Paul reiterating the same message. And so you could be like, well, that was Israel, but what about the church? Like, no, and Paul's reiterating the same thing. He's like, when you're marrying, like marry within the Lord, um, unequal yoking, like make, make sure that you're marrying people that are aligned with you on this. Um, and so like, it, it's actually a theme that just has an arc that goes all the way through mm-hmm. the narrative of scripture, um, which I think is just really important um, because oftentimes we'll, we'll be prone to just like, all right, let me, find this verse and there it is. Let let me slap it on there. Um, But obviously we know we're prone to doing that and taking it out of context. But if you can see it like kind of tracing its way through the scriptures, I think it becomes that much more powerful and more convincing. Totally, man. And, and just, it just solidifies like the whole story points to the same theme. You know, I love how you said you don't just look for like proof passages. It's like, no, no, it's actually the whole story is intertwined. Um, when we talk about oneness and one flesh, like this union, you gave an amazing analogy. I don't know if it's because I'm a car guy and I like doing welding and different kind of work with like metal. 
Um, but walk us through that kind of imagery of the metal and the wood. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it um, because on the one hand, like I, I, I took a lot of shop classes in, in high school and stuff. Never took auto shop, which I, whenever something breaks in my car, I'm sad about. Because um, <laughs> I just, I walk up to the mechanic and go like, I literally don't know what to do. Um, but also like I took more woods than metals. And so whenever I use something in an illustration that's kind of outside my area of knowledge, um, I'm always worried. But you said that it, it worked, so I'll, I'll take your word for it. It works great. I was like, um, that was such a good picture for me. Beautiful. Yeah, so um, it, in welding, so the the illustration is, is trying to illustrate the oneness, the unity of the one flesh union created in marriage, which again is what we have back at the beginning in Genesis, um, which is something that like Jesus as well as Paul are going to use as kind of foundational when they're understanding the thing, the institution of marriages is built upon it. So we really need to understand what, what's, what's taking place in marriage. And I think Genesis helps us with that. But <clears throat> the one flesh union is really important because what's happening is that you were just mentioning you've been at a wedding recently and like what happens at a wedding? Two people come up to an altar where they die and they become and they leave as one. There's something radical happening there. Like two people approach, but one person, in a sense, leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and welding is very different than woodworking. Woodworking is what I'm more familiar with. It's what I I'm like a hobby craft DIY guy at my house and just very frugal, really. And so I'd rather do something myself poorly than pay someone to do it better. Um, but but with woodwork, like you, the first thing you learn is that like, all right, if you're going to put nails or screws even in a joint, like put glue on it though, because it's going to tighten the bond. It's going to, it's going to put things together a little bit more securely, um, which is good. It's wise. Um, but you still have two fundamentally, you have two things that are being held together either by the nails and the screws and the glue, but, but it's still two things. Welding though, actually changes the composition of the metal to where like the two things begin to flow together and they actually form one new thing at that joint uh, where, the, where the two things that were, were there before are now like literally one thing because the, the materials have begun to flow together. Um, and that is not unlike Christian marriage. Like that's what happens when we get married. We, the two become one thing that have now flowed together to a certain extent. And so when we're talking about like, how does this impact the way in which Christians ought to approach our relationships? Like we're, when we're, marrying someone or, or desiring to be married, we're desiring to weld ourselves permanently becoming one with that person. And therefore like what that, what, what that person does or doesn't do is going to impact us necessarily. And so you're, you're a welding guy, you do metal work. So maybe you can, I'm sure this illustration doesn't work, but we'll just try to keep the theme. Uh, if you like welded a piece of steel <clears throat> to a piece of aluminum, I don't think you can actually do that. Yeah. I don't think you but can. But aluminum is like a pretty, no, I don't think you can. But for the sake of the illustration, let's pretend. Yeah. Like, well, the, maybe you can. I, I'm not like a pro actually, welder. I'm like a DIY like you where I kind of <laughs> okay. screw up and I'd rather do yeah. it myself and screw up than pay someone. Yeah, beautiful. But if, if you weld aluminum to like steel, steel is a pretty tough, durable, hard metal. Uh, aluminum, though, is pretty malleable. It's, I mean, we make cans out of it and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's pretty weak. And if you weld those two things together, you have, now have one thing that's comprised of those two different types of metal. And the, the one thing is actually pretty weak. 
it, it's pretty it's pretty weakened because part of it is just a, a metal that's just very flimsy, so to speak. And so it's similar, not exactly the same. It doesn't explain everything, but it's similar in the sense of like when a Christian desires to or is dating or is planning to marry or does marry a non-Christian, like your your Christian faith is is necessarily weakened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know it's kind of anecdotal, but I've also never seen it proved false. I've never met one single person who has entered into a dating relationship or married uh, a Christian who's entered into a dating relationship or married a non-Christian and their faith has grown stronger. Not one single wow. time. And I don't expect that I ever will because I think that the biblical principle requires that to take place. Like it's, it's going to happen necessarily. It's just a real eye opener, you know, for people who are listening or watching because, you know, what, what advice would you, you give them? I mean, I know even in the article <clears throat> you use King Solomon as a case study um, mm. of, you know, things not to do and yes, maybe unpack that a little bit because that kind of just gives us an example of, you know, when you're marrying, so obviously we're not going to be marrying 900 people, but um, what happens to his heart and his love for the Lord, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Solomon's <clears throat> really interesting. Um, I think it's similar, in my opinion, to, to the way that Ecclesiastes is framed, like at least the beginning parts, because whether or not you think that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, whoever wrote it is definitely trying to get you to envision a Solomonic-like king. And so whether or not it was him, like picture him in your mind, as he's, as he's looking through all of these different ventures of the world and coming up and saying like, hey, these are vanity, like this is vanity. And I think it's really important to kind of keep that in mind when we, when we think about this as well, because like Solomon, what he had all of God's wisdom, he had all of God's wealth, um, like people literally flocked from the ends of the earth to see this. Um, he was drawing, and, and I'm, by all appearances, like he was the guy, right? Like King David, he, he was the immediate fulfillment of the promise made to King David. That like, this is your son who's going to embody these things and he's going to sit on your throne. And like, as you read his narrative, it looks like everything's going well. Like dude's got, he asked for the right thing. He asked for wisdom, not, not wealth, and but he got both anyway. Like he's got peace around him. He's got power and all, everything at his disposal. But he makes this mistake. And it, and it goes to show us that even the person that had the wisest person to ever live. I'm not wiser than Solomon. Hmm. You're not wiser than Solomon. Yeah. Our, your, your viewers and listeners are not wiser than Solomon. This guy was able to be pulled away from the true worship of God hmm. because he married people outside of Israel. And now I think that that's, that, that actually can be, it's very challenging, right? Because I think our, our gut instinct is to be like, nah, I'm the exception. Like I can do it. Like I, I got it. But like, no, like I just said, I'm not, I'm not wiser than Solomon. I'm not the exception. He wasn't even the exception. And so if he can't do it, then, then why would I think that I can? Wow. Um, but I also think that like, there's something like kind of probably our just 21st century westernized culture that we live in uh, that kind of like makes us rebut at that. Like the idea of like, what, what do you mean I can't marry outside? Uh, I mean, Israel was, it, it was, there were ethnic lines associated as well. But what do you mean? And but but I think it's really important. And I said this in the article, but I just think it's really important that God's laws surrounding marriage are not racist, but religious. Mm. Like he's th- this is the undergirding. Like no, he he's after our he's he's literally jealous for our worship. 
um, in the same way that a good husband would be jealous for the intimacy of his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like his, his principles, his, his commands around marriage are not racist. Like this isn't like something where you're to vilify those outside of the faith, but it is something to say that like, no, like God wants our true worship. And he knows, he absolutely knows that if we weld ourselves, if we unify mm-hmm. ourselves with someone outside of the faith, it will detract from that. And so it, we have to just keep that principle in like view at all time. Otherwise, we will follow our desires like Solomon did. And unfortunately, our stories will end like Solomon's does, where at the end of his narrative, it's just like, and he went after many other gods and he did what was evil in the, in the sight of the mm-hmm. Lord. And I know that like no Christian is going to sit there and go like, I hope that that's my ending. Like, I hope that that's where I can go. I really want to end terribly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no way. You know, I um, I remember when I was in high school, I was dating a girl who was a non-believer. And I kind of had one foot in the church, one foot out of the church. And I was trying to think I'd be a good example and I could maybe bring her to the Lord. But obviously my heart totally. gets in the way and it gets a little bit cloudy. But I remember the Lord gave me like a vision. It was like when I'm the first time kind of seeing like this vision from God and it was like two apples together. One of them was like this, mm. you know, fresh apple, ripe apple. The other one was very, very rotten. And they were sitting together. Mm. And as they got closer, that good one started to kind of get rotten on that side. Yes. And it was just an eye opener for me of, oh man, I need to be careful because here I am thinking like, oh no, I'm going to be on mission. You know, people think that they can be believers in a dating relationship or married and they're like, it's their, it's their mission to help convert this person. Yes. But it's like, no, we don't do lip to lip discipleship. There's no uh, flirt to convert. It's uh, just, it's, (laughs) some people do that. And I've seen the odd success story. Sure. But I don't think that's the framework for us. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like you're, you're kind of landed on it, I feel like, because so I'm, uh, one of my tasks in the morning is to make the kids lunches for school. And I'm, uh, I always put straw, I'm creature habit. So I put the same thing in their lunch every single day. And, um, when I'm cutting up strawberries, like if I find a strawberry, kind of like your illustration, if I find a strawberry with like a big, like, you know, looks like it's wearing a jacket of mold, um, I'll pull it out. I'll throw it away rightly. But I'll also pull out like half of the th- strawberries in the box that it was like rubbing up against contact. Like, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because like those are those are now damaged. Like I gotta throw those away, too. And honestly, I probably should just toss out the whole carton um, and like just be like, you're not getting strawberries today because you've got this like big, gross, like moldy strawberry in there. Like you don't want it to contaminate the other ones. Um, but But you're right. I think a lot of people approach marriage with that kind of, or dating at least with that kind of missional mindset mm-hmm. of like, oh, you know, like, uh, but it, he or she, it, they've, they've got everything else, you know, yeah. they've, they've got all everything I, I would hope for, but they're missing this one thing. turns out it's a really fundamental thing, but they're missing it. And so like, if I can just get them saved. And I remember like about a year, year and a half ago, a young guy had started coming to our church, not a Christian, but like, you could see like the Lord was working in his heart and like, one of our members had shared the gospel with him at, at the gym. And he's just like, tell me more about this. And so I'm meeting with him. And after a while, <clears throat> he tells me he's living in, with his girlfriend and 
Um, they've been together for a couple of years and this, this and that. And uh, after a while, he's like, what do you think I should do? And I was like, well, are, are you asking me as a Christian or are you, you know, are you not a Christian? Like I'd give you some advice, but like, I'm not going to bind your conscience. Um, and he's like, I, I have believed. I was like, okay, let's talk about it then. Um, and I, he was the, and I would say like, he is the the exception to all of these things of like, I told him, I was like, bro, the Bible says that you need to move out. You should not be dating. And if the purpose of marriage is, or purpose of dating is marriage, you guys shouldn't be dating. Um, and, and instead, like, you need to take these hard measures um, to do these things. And he said, okay, I'll do it. Wow. And I was just like amazed. And I was like, but, you know, praise the Lord for it. And he texted me. He's like, I did it. This, this, and that. And I told him, I was like, but uh, like, th- this is not, here's the thing. Like, it's not like a, hey, you know, I'm a Christian now. My God says I have to, we can't be together. So I'm out of here. Um, I was like, bro, like, if you believe that this is really good news, then like, tell her why you have to do this. Like, why is it? And to God alone be the glory, but he did that. And then she got saved because of it. And we baptized them both earlier this year and they just got married this last month or something like that. Oh man! And so like, I'm not saying that the missional thing can't be true, but I I think that like, what I think is very different in that situation as opposed to like many of the ones that we encounter when we're discipling folks is that like, he was willing to cut ties. He was willing to, to, he, I told him, I was like, it's always the right time to be faithful. And so like, he was willing to do that. And then he let God do his thing on the, on the back end. And he was willing to be okay with whatever that was going to mean, whether it meant that she was not going to be in his life anymore or that she was going to get saved and praise be to God that she did. Um, but none of this would have happened if he didn't say like, Hey, I, this is, this, it's a hard thing, but this is what my God says is right for me wow. um, and for, for his people. And so I'm going to do it. Um, but, but it's, it's definitely challenging. Like, I mean, as an objective observer in this whole thing, like I can just say, you know, what the Bible says, but I understand that people that are in it, like it's, there's, there's a lot more tension. Like, I don't want to make it sound like it's as clean as like this and, you know, like, yeah, just do the right thing. It'll work out, you know? Um, but, but I think there's, there's actually some beauty in the objectivity to be able to be like, no, like I I can shoot straight with you because I'm not invested in the way that you are. Wow. What an amazing testimony. And it just reminds me again, you mentioned the passage in Romans where it's like, take your everyday life. The message says you're eating, you're sleeping, you're walking around, going around life and offer to God as a living sacrifice. This is your, you know, spiritual worship. And it's like, you see this guy just dying to himself and just dying to his dreams and agenda and plans and goals and desires. And I'm going to follow God. Yes. And uh, look yeah, at how God honors beautiful. in that in that story. It's so beautiful, the redemptive redemption story. Yeah. And so what was so? I mean, we have viewers and listeners right now who are living with their boyfriends and girlfriends and are dating non-believers. Sure. Um, like you said, it's not like a, you know, the answer would be, hey, this is just this is dangerous and harmful. Right. You know, a lot of people. You know, the the idea of like moving it a lot of people think oh if i move in together if we move in together first we can kind of get practice and it will just help kind of like a try before you buy uh but i think even statistically that proves (laughs) to be a lot more detrimental than a benefit absolutely so um i mean it's pretty clear the wisdom that you would give 
to someone who is living with their significant other. You would probably say the same thing yeah. he said to you, this brother that was at your church. I, I, I probably would. Um, but I'll also say uh, that I think that this needs to be conceded to anybody, like whether or not you're wrestling with this personally, or maybe you're a loving, caring friend or family member that wants to help walk through or w- walk someone through this, this uh, situation. I think it's really worth saying that even though, even in the cases where things are like really black and white, yes, yes and no, there's a great, there's, there seems to be just a clear cut. Uh, there's a gray scale, I would say, of, of wisdom and application. Um, and so I, what I don't want to even allude to is that like, there are some instances where like, yeah, don't follow this advice. Like now the Bible's really clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are instances where maybe it's not um, as simple as just like, all right, peace out. You know, I'm convinced. Um, and I, I, without knowing the person sitting in front of me, like I ha- would have a hard time like really giving like helpful mm. ad- advice and counsel to how to walk through those things. Um, but I think the end of the day, it-, it has to be under the guise of like, what is it that's motivating you? Why do you want to even get married? Like, what is what is the point? Because like I mentioned earlier, like I don't think anybody's sitting here going like, man, I hope like I have a bad marriage, you know? But totally. one of my professors w- would say that like the prophets uh, in the Old Testament, like he's, he's like, they'd essentially, they'd have Deuteronomy 28 in one hand, which is the blessings and the curses of the covenant. And then they'd have like basically the daily newspaper in the other hand. And they'd read the covenant and the blessings and the curses. And they go like, okay. And then they read the newspaper and they go like, well, if we're doing this, we can expect these curses to come. And so we should stop doing these things. And I think principally, like the same thing is true for our marriages. Like if if the Bible is clear, which I think that it is, and if it's clear that like you're just going to have a weakened relationship, you're going to have a weakened marriage, you're going to have a weakened relationship with God and his church and and all of these things that that, that we were designed to flourish within and, and find great joy in, um, then we should look at it and go like, I shouldn't expect to get good results out of something that God has said is not designed to give me good results. Um, and I think about it like, you know, back to the whole DIY stuff, like oftentimes I'm in my house and I open up a wall or something like that. And there's just a nail sticking out or like kind of a funny angle. And I just want to punch it in to flatten it out. But my hammer's out in my shop, but I do have like a, a screwdriver and I have the back end of it. And more often than I'd like to admit, like I'll knowing what's going to happen, like I'll just be like, okay, and I'll just try to punch it in with the back end of the screwdriver. And I end up missing. I end up like denting the wall that I got to patch later. Like all this terrible stuff comes out. And I know what's going to happen. I know that that's going to happen. But it's because I'm not honoring the design. I'm not honoring the design of the institution. Like the hammer was built for this. Mm-hmm. Like go get your hammer. Be patient. Take the extra step. Go do it. The, the screwdriver was built for something else. It, it wasn't built for this. Um, and it's the same way with our marriages. Like, I know it's hard. I know that there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of internal turmoil and that therefore you should walk through this with other people that are going to come alongside you because you have a good desire. Like, I don't don't want to diminish this. Marriage isn't the end all be all, but it is a good thing. Mm -hmm. It is a good desire. It's a godly desire. But if you don't have a godly goal at the end, like guiding your desire, then you're going to end up doing terrible things along the way. 
And so to have people around you that are going to encourage you in that is just really, really important. But like, be patient, go get the hammer, like honor the design of the institution and it's going to go well. It's going to go well. And, and, and the beauty is that like, it's not going to go well in the, the sense of like, great, you know, my life is perfect. I never have any problems. But like, there's going to be a deep seated joy that comes with abiding in God's rule and reign for your life that you just, you, we all, each of us, myself included, we try to manufacture it with worldly ways, but it's, it's never there. We're always left wanting. Yeah. Um, but when we honor the design of the institution, um, then we're going to find the joy that comes, the thriving that comes inside of it. And so I would just really encourage whoever's wrestling with this, like to like really, really identify why it is you want to be married. What's the purpose? And then always go back to the design. Always go back to like Jesus, like Jesus said, well, how was it in the beginning? What was the purpose of this thing? It's to glorify God. Well, who's going to help me do that? Is it going to be a non-Christian? No, it's not. Like it's going to be a, a man or a woman uh, that's going to help you run that race with endurance and, and strive towards the end. Um, that that's that's the type of marriage that God delights to see in His people. That's so good, man. That's so good. Uh, such an important word for young people today. Um, and again, it, all that we talked about goes under the umbrella of giving God glory. Everything is giving God glory. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. Praise God, man. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been so encouraging. And yes. uh, thank you for writing that article. Keep writing articles. Keep resourcing us. Um, we're very <laughs> blessed. Uh, I appreciate the encouragement. Yeah, blessed by your ministry, bro. And all the best to the three kiddos, your church. Happy birthday to your church. 16 years, man. Yeah. That's amazing. And um, we're just grateful to uh, spend some time with you today. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It's been a blessing on my end as well. Praise God. Thanks, man. All right. Wow. That was a fantastic, that was a fantastic conversation. Mm, yeah. Man, um, so many nuggets to take out of it. Um, marriage is a big deal. And you that union, like I just loved that analogy of welding. And I have to just, for the record, I'm not a welder. Um, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I dabble, but very terribly. But I do have a passion for cars and I've seen a lot of guys welding stuff on my car. So I've seen the fusing of two separate metals into one piece. So that picture of yeah. two metals coming together was just like, it's just like mind blown. And we did fact check that. And we did fact check that. Actually, we did. We checked. You can weld aluminum and steel. There you go. Um, so it's a big deal. But um, what were some big takeaways for you guys? I think the, uh, just the, the, the fruit analogy yes. was, was just a strong analogy to show, you know, when you have, a rotten fruit and mm -hmm. you put it next to another good fruit, it will make the other fruit rot too. And I think the same can be said with a, with a ripe fruit can strengthen and, and ripen the other fruit. Yeah. So good to know what fruit to get. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And when that happened to me, yeah. like when I had that like vision from God or that picture in my head, that was like totally random. Um, I just knew exactly what it meant I knew exactly what I needed to do and I just like walked away from friendships, walked away from a relationship and just said, man, I got to just follow God with my mind, soul and strength. I just have to do it by myself. Yeah. And, um, but when I was in grade 11 or 12, I did not know that a rotten fruit beside a good fruit would turn a good fruit rotten. I just instantly saw the picture and it was like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It was actually like pretty amazing. But, um, you know, thinking about those who are watching right now who are dabbling with the, you know, flirt to convert or lip to lip discipleship um, with the mindset of like, I'm going to date this person and convert them. No, honey, you can't save them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't save them. I mean, even no, when it's... we talked last week about, with Dr. John on like, you know, uh, Providence and we talked about salvation, that's like the one moment where God says, hey, free will, step aside. Yeah. And he intervenes. Uh, salvation has nothing to do with it. We can't. No. We're not in the business of saving people. And so uh, it's a dangerous mindset when you're yeah. pursuing someone to to save yeah because i i have seen people that have like walked away from the faith for a bit or or kind of veered towards like nominal christian started dating a non-christian and eventually they came back to the fold Mm. and brought their significant other with them where their significant other gave themselves to the lord and now they're both such like strong godly christian people so it's not impossible but it happens it's I think important to go into a relationship with that iron sharpening iron and yes. having those essentials of faith and worldview intact. Yeah. And, like, and even like when he was talking about how like, you know, in the secular world, even they would agree that having similar worldviews and similar religious beliefs uh, would only benefit, yeah. you know, like it's a, biblical principle but at the same time it's kind of common sense yeah even the world know even the yeah. world knows yeah yeah because that when, it works when, better. when you're uh, in a marriage you know you're you are uniting as like one person so yeah. you want to be as strong as possible yeah where you are united mm-hmm. as as one yeah because that marriage ends up being the the cornerstone yes for everything else yeah including kids yeah and building upon Yes. That cornerstone. Yeah. And I think it reminds me of a conversation I had years ago. Uh, do you guys remember a platform or do you know of a platform called PureFlix? It's like a Netflix baptized. Right. Oh, so yeah, it's yeah. like all Christian themed or like good, clean, you know, nothing, nothing terrible. Um, but uh, I had a show on there years ago called Sharing the Road where we would drive around and fun cars or golf carts or whatever and have GoPros everywhere. Actually, the right. one I did, the last one I did, I was turning left and I had the GoPro on the outside of the window and it fell off the, the bus. I had a VW bus, oh, fell off no. the bus and a truck like literally just, oh. and we ran back to the intersection. It was like as flat as a pancake. I was like, oh, oh this geez. is terrible. That's I was so, so upset. I was really bummed. Um, but um, yeah, we drive around and just talk about life and faith and music and the industry. It was mostly musical people. But I did an episode with uh, Scott and Ed Cash, who were my producers for my last record. Amazing guys. But we were talking about marriage, and it kind of naturally came up in conversation because they were talking about how beautiful their parents' marriage was mm-hmm. and how they always knew that they were secondary. I know it sounds bad to say, but the yep. kids always knew that mom and dad, like their main priority was God and each other. And then that stemmed into loving their kids. Whereas a lot of marriages, you know, the focus on each other gets distracted with the kids are now the, you know, the, the priority. main yeah. priority. And um, just a reminder for people, like you're talking about, like just, it's the cornerstone, man. It's like you're fused together. Now you're one piece. Like even just thinking of my friend's wedding a couple weeks ago, it's like they come in as two and they literally leave fused as one. Like it's just one, like it's just a miracle from God. But uh, 
that has to be, you know, like your spouse is who God is calling you to just 100%. die for. Yep. Yeah. And then that overflows. And now these kids, Scott and Ed, who are older now, like their marriages are thriving because of the influence and the example that their parents had where they were, you know, they would go on romantic getaways and the kids were not invited and the mm-hmm. kids wanted to come so bad. It's like, well, you know, too bad. Mommy and daddy time. Um, and so that cornerstone needs to be strong or else everything else collapses under if it's shaky. Yeah. So that, that's a that's a huge thing that you said there. It just reminded me of that when you talked about the cornerstone. Um, we talked about a little bit about, uh, you know, those who are living together and they're not married. And I've, I can't remember the statistics. I'll try to find it and we can try to... I got you. Do you got them? Yeah, I, I had it before. Okay, amazing. Because we were talking about the idea of like a lot of people say, you know, like, oh, the try before you buy. Yeah. Uh, let's move in together and just like see if we're compatible. And a lot of people think that is the best approach. But in reality, it actually is more of a burden and a hindrance. And it's actually, it just takes away from, you know, the yeah. godly way. And so what what stats do you have so, for that? Okay, according to Rhodes and Stanley... Okay. I guess there are a couple of psychology professors. They did a uh, took a sample of Americans, um, and they found that 34% of marriages ended among those who lived together before being engaged, hmm. while just 23% of marriages ended among couples who waited until after engagement or marriage to move okay. in together. Okay, so it's actually um, more of a, a more of a risk. Yeah. Like what, you think you're trying to check if you're compatible. Yeah, like it actually kind of goes against yeah. what. But that kind of makes sense, right? Because yeah. if it's like, if if you're already like, well, we got to test the waters before we're actually ready to commit to something solid versus going into the relationship with the intention of, well, we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. Then you've already decided that you're going to be committed at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's fine to wait until right because the commitment's for, there for things. Yeah. yeah but whereas when when it's like okay well we need to live together and basically live fully as a married couple without mm-hmm. the commitment then you're kind of like uh, that that seems to be setting yourself up for failure because you're not believing in it in yeah. the first place yeah, and, yeah. you're not really committing that, it's like kind of what it what it yeah. seems like when when it is um that it coming from the perspective of, well, we should live together and yeah. see how things work first yeah. before that we consider marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, I feel like, you know, the world says, gives ideas to people I'm like, Hey, this could work. Try this or move in first and see if you're compatible, whatever. And then the Bible gives us perspective and gives us truth. And I can say with confidence that 100% of the time, the Bible is the better way to go. Yeah. Well, it's... it's It'd be hard not to say that on a Bible yeah, teaching show. But, it, but it's tricky, it though. But it's... It, it's the, and, and even statistically, yeah, it's the better way to go. I'd yeah. say it is tricky, though, because like dating in the modern world is not the same as it was in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So there, there does tend to lead to, to gray areas and room for interpretation and, and things. And that's why I think it's so important to have 
these kinds of conversations to mm-hmm. figure out, okay, well, what is the biblical approach yeah. to this? And, and and I think a lot of it does come down to the the communication. Yeah, communication is huge. Yeah, and like I've seen um, people close to me that have uh, broken marriages, which is one of the saddest things. Mm. Like it, 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 it truly grieves your heart mm-hmm. to see the people like close to you that are, are dealing with yeah. a broken marriage where they, they didn't live together beforehand where some people would argue that, well, maybe that would have helped. Mm. I, I'm not sure. I think that I feel like a lot of it would come down to communication again. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. Like yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I'm fully, I'm, I've only been married for eight months. So, yeah. you know, take my advice. Well, let's, let's, let's let the big but, wigs here but, but, uh, but, step in. No, but I think kidding. you guys could also agree that communication yeah. is yeah. like top. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to have that communication and, and yes. really be able to let the walls down fully too with your, with your, with your partner, your, with your wife or your, your husband to, to really Mm. get a sense of where you guys are Mm -hmm. and how you're going to communicate and deal with the various circumstances and, and, um, challenges that come up in a relationship. Yeah. And I think hugely important is uh, communication along the process. So like tons of communication, Mm -hmm. dating, Tons of communication engaged. It's not just like, hey, once you're married, you should just talk through things. Because you were mentioning before, like, you know, some people who, you know, maybe didn't talk about kids before yeah. they got married. And they talked about yeah. other things that are important. And then they get married and then you realize, oh, one wants kids, one doesn't want kids. It's like, whoa, we should have probably talked about that earlier to make sure that we're on the same page all the time. And things change over time. It's true, yeah. Like when Mich- yeah. Michelle and I were first, you know, dating, we thought, oh, we want to have like six kids, seven kids, whatever, like tons of kids. And maybe we still might, but now we're expecting our third and it's like, well, let's just take it one child at a time and see how that is. You know, so far with our first two, they were phenomenal sleepers and great eaters. And like it was just like, oh, this is great. But the third one might be a psycho. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, right? But again, it came down to that, con- uh, that, that conversation and the and the continued, like you said, the continued the conversation, continued conversation yeah. and yeah. communication. Because yeah. I I'm always so shocked to hear like how disconnected mm-hmm. couples that I, I know yeah. are, where it's like, yeah. oh, you you don't know what's going on with that, yeah. and oh, you guys haven't had this. Like my wife and I are like in cahoots we're always talking yeah. about everything with each other and then yep. even then like i just had a conversation with my wife the other day where it was like you know what she felt like it would be good to even have like a dedicated time like a like a night where it's just like you know what the we could just relax and watch tv or whatever but we're, we are going to set this night as like this is our hangout night where we can just chat and talk about whatever Love and it. then we nice always have that mm-hmm. time where like it doesn't have to be serious because like when i hear it like oh we need to have like a uh, this needs to be our meeting every yeah. every every thursday yeah. to talk about how you're doing in the, in the relationship if like that that is not the vibe yeah but if it's like okay this is our time that we're just going to hang out and we're going to chat and yeah. it can be about silly stuff and it can be about 
serious stuff, yeah. just whatever yeah. we need to communicate, yeah. then we know that that is a dedicated time that we have set aside yeah. that we can just talk about our relationship, the goods, the bads, yeah. the uglies, yeah. and everything in between. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been married, you said 14 years, right? Yes. Yeah, and we've been married 10. And it's true, like no matter what, the communication never change. Like you just have to always be yeah. founded on communication. Because life changes, things change. But if you're talking about it, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how you're talking about like even like when you have like a sit-down meeting, it's not like a business transaction where you're just like... <laughs> Sitting down and just like strictly <laughs> talking business. There's playfulness, there's silliness, there's fun yeah. stuff, there's hard stuff. Like um, another big thing for marriages that I find um, is finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's a saver, <laughs> one's a spender. Yep. In my family, I'm this. I used to be the spender, and Michelle used to be the saver. Now I've learned to. Yeah, you know, I've been watching a lot of Dave Ramsey. Shout out if he's watching, but which is interesting because <laughs> it's important to talk about. Shiver it... me timbers! Oh yes, <laughs> I, I love it. You got to watch your elbow, buddy. We got oh, a new, uh, we got a little new thingy over there, and it, you know, yeah, the buttons are bigger. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the buttons are bigger. Hallelujah! Is that a goat? That's that a was goat. a goat. It's we got some play. fun stuff. Feel free to hit yeah. anything you want, whenever you want. Well, apparently, <laughs> subconsciously, I will do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where were we? Oh uh, yeah, finance. Yeah, yeah just. That's an important conversation to have. Mm-hmm. The one that most people but, don't want to have. Yes. It's the hard, it's a very hard. But it's still not anything in compared to like what we talked about today with Matt. Yes. And yes. being a believer and being yes. on the same page about that. Yeah. You can still have a marriage and like you said, learn new skills or learn to become yeah. better with your finances yes. or yeah. whatever. But the foundation of has to be being a believer. Yeah is yeah like yeah. even more important than yeah. the financial side of things totally and even like yeah. um like we talked about like you know when you want to join a new church community or you're looking for a church it's like yeah. there's the things that are open-handed and you're okay if there's a little bit of different you know it's hard to interpret in scripture or whatever and then there's the closed-fisted stuff that it's like no i'm not gonna ever ch- i can't there's no way i can yeah. change my thought on that um with marriage, there are certain things that are just closed-handed. Yeah, salvation, and you know, even similarities in beliefs um, within the faith can only be like, you know, a, a huge blessing in your life. But I mean, you might differ on some theological things that are open-handed, mm-hmm. but the closed-handed stuff, you need to. There's no negotiation. The budget balances itself. <laughs> <laughs> Not the case financially, but spiritually. Yes. There we go. <laughs> when my wife and I started talking about financial stuff, because uh, we really wanted to get out of debt, and we have a crazy story of like going gazelle intense, as Dave Ramsey says, uh, nice. and took 18 months, and we like just crushed all mm. of our debt. And it was like actually changed our marriage significantly because now it's like I had like, you know, hobbies and passions, and she has hobbies and stuff, but it's like now we have like a, a common goal. So it brought our marriage like because mm. we're talking all the time about it. Yep. We're sitting every week about it. Like we're on a mission together. Like we have a goal, a purpose. It was like the most amazing thing. And our marriage like thrived when we were, you know, pursuing this. But um, I remember like when we first started, we would sit at the table and it was almost like a light on <laughs> top of my head and I'm sweating. And Michelle would look at our visa statements. And since I'm the <laughs> spender, she'd be like, 
where were you on January 4th at approximately? I'm like, ah, uh, uh, I don't know. I was like, were you at Lordco? I'm like, no, 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 I wasn't at Lordco. I wasn't getting aluminum and steel to weld them together because um, we learned we can. Um, but uh, that that didn't work. And then we had to kind of just, okay, let's sit beside me mm-hmm. and let's actually just like, you know, and then and then instantly it was like, okay, a togetherness yeah. or whatever. But, but you're right, Chris. You know, obviously financial things is one side. Kids is one side. There's always changes. Oh, kids is a, is a big one. Huge one. Yeah, I was a little bit uh, disappointed in his uh, honesty there. He's <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> he could have sugarcoated a little bit for me. He's like, no, you know what? It's chaotic. But there's blessings in the chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But even the idea of like kids or finances or all those things are so minimal in comparison to the foundation of your life mm-hmm. and your belief in Christ and your love for the word mm-hmm. and uh, wanting to live Romans 12, 1 and 2, take your everyday life, you're eating, sleeping, you're breathing, you're walking, you're working, everything and offer to God as a living sacrifice. When you have two people who are founded on truth together and on a mission together to love people together, all the other things will work out with communication when you're rooted mm-hmm. together. Um, but yes, when I asked Matt about going from two to three, since he is in that world, um, I was a little bit disappointed in his answer. <laughs> but it makes sense. The whole, like, you know, two, when you have two, it's like everything man to man, defense, you know, you're all good. Yeah. Throw a third one in the mix that needs attention. Yeah, kids can be like, the worst thing you've ever experienced (laughs) and somehow they're also the the greatest thing at the same time and i guess talking about balancing things out once you balance it out you're like oh well the the bad doesn't even compare to doesn't good good. yeah and you're still way net positive yeah Yeah. as to opposed to not having it i think his analogy was perfect it's like you go from zero to one it's like well everything's new it's chaotic then you have number two it's like oh we kind of we kind of get it and i felt that with our second and then the third comes and it's just like, oh no, we need another parent. <laughs> Someone needs to move in with us and take care of baby number three. Um, he had so many good points though. And he was just so gracious in his mm. teaching of theology. Yep. And I think we need to be like that too. Uh, there are people who are watching today who maybe you are living with you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or uh, you're dating someone who's a non-believer or you're married to someone who's a non-believer. Um, you know, every story is different and it's hard. Like he said, it's hard to sit in front of a camera and just say, hey, this is what you ought to do. Uh, we do have the Bible that gives us clear, good, healthy instruction yeah. of how to just prosper in life. Um, but uh, we need to do that graciously. Mm-hmm. Even like with his, with this guy at his church. I mean, he did tell him the truth. This, As a Christian, yeah. this is what we believe and we can't shy away from it. But, uh, you know, how you respond is up to you. But we do love you guys, and we're doing this to bring truth and to bring um, just a biblical perspective to help see your life flourish. And so uh, this was a fantastic conversation, and we hope you were blessed today. Uh, I know I was. Uh, I know married for eight months. I'm sure you took some notes. Oh, yeah. Season married 14 years. The guy's probably like, oh, I'm going to just let me know when the interview is over. I'm pretty, <laughs> wake me up from my nap. Wake me up from my nap. Um, no, but it was such a great episode. And uh, we hope you were blessed. Uh, thank you for joining today. And we'll see you next week. God bless you guys.